We've been talking about all month long getting into the Word. We've talked about Bible memorization. We've talked about Bible meditation. And today we want to finish up that series talking about one more very important topic. If you've ever been to my study, you know that I have a few books. 
I don't have as many as I used to, but I still have a few, quite a few in fact. And I have new books, and I have older books, and I have old books, and I have books that are considered classics by some. Of course, you know what Mark Twain said about a classic book, don't you? Mark Twain said a classic book was a book which people praise and don't read. Uh, And I think he's right about that. But one of those classics in my library carries a most unusual title. It was written by Mortimer Adler and Charles Van Doren. The title of the book, How to Read a Book. That's the title of the book, How to Read a Book. Anybody ever read that book? All right. Well, anyway, that book called How to Read a Book is actually very interesting in its title and its content. It's a book that's a very large book. It's a little over 400 pages. And it talks to you about not just merely reading a book, but really diving in and reading a book. It takes you through different levels of reading. The first level is elementary reading. Then you go to inspectional reading and analytical reading and syntopical reading and all this kind of good stuff. But uh, in the book, they liken reading to the game of baseball. And they liken the author as the pitcher and the reader as the catcher. And both have a job to do. And they talk about the fact that reading is not just a passive activity. There's activity that both do. You know, as the pitcher pitches the ball, the catcher catches the ball. And that's a great picture of reading. You say, well, preacher, what does that have to do with anything that we're going to talk about today? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because today, I want you to listen to a sermon that I'm calling, How to Listen to a Sermon. How to Listen to a Sermon. That's today's sermon, How to Listen to a Sermon. And I want you to understand that listening to a sermon is not passive. It's active. I'm the pitcher, you're the catcher, and we both have a job to do. I want you to understand that listening to a sermon is far more than just sitting there. Or at least it should be. And so I want you to open your Bible this morning... That's your first activity, okay? Open your Bible to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And while you're finding Nehemiah chapter 8, I think we need to talk about and mention why we have preaching in the first place. I mean, in the day in which we live, doesn't it seem a little archaic to come and listen to a man, stand for 30 minutes or so, and preach? It seems a little bit out of touch, doesn't it? Isn't there a better way to communicate? Why not scrap preaching altogether? Why give it the central place and the majority of time in our service? Isn't it antiquated? Isn't it outdated? Isn't it simply a relic of the past? I mean, we're living in a digital age. Why have preaching? We're used to 140 letter tweets, 30 second sound bites, visual everything. We live in a land of iPods and iPads and iPhones and i-everything. And some of you are probably on Facebook right now. You're posting right this moment as I'm preaching. Hopefully you're saying, Amen, brother. You should hear our preacher. But anyway, we live in a digital age of technology. So why give the majority of our service to a man who stands with an old book in a leather binding... And let him talk to us for 30 minutes or 40 minutes or if we're real lucky, 20 or 25 minutes. Why don't don't we go different route? I mean, here we don't even have those big screens. All we get is a half sheet of paper and a golf-sized pencil. I mean, come on. Isn't there a better way to do it? Someone is likened preaching today to 
Using the Pony Express in the 1800s or something like that. Why not fill the majority of our time today with something else? Why not fill the almost the whole time with praise and worship music? Why not show a video? Why not have a live drama every single Sunday? Why not bring in some praise dancers and let them dance down the aisles up and down? Why not bring in a Christian comedian and let him entertain us? At least we entertain, right? Why not anything but preaching? Why not anything but another sermon. Why preaching? Because God ordained preaching. Period. Because God ordained it. Listen to God's Word. Matthew 3, 1. In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Matthew four seventeen. From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew ten seven. As you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts five forty two. And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts eight thirty five. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Acts nine twenty seven. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and he had spoken to him, how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Acts 10.42 And he commanded us to preach to the people, and to testify that he is he who is ordained by God to be judged of the living and the dead. Romans 1.15 So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you or Rome also. Pause. No, keep going. Romans 10, 13-15 For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How they shall believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. 1 Corinthians 1, 21 For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God Listen, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. 1 Corinthians 9.16 For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me that I do not preach the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4.5 For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Galatians 1.8 But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than we preach to you, let him be accursed. Are you noticing a theme, beloved? I'm not done. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the Word! Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Titus 1.3 But as in due time manifested His Word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. Preach, preach, preach! Preach the Word of God. God's Word is clear. Not my ideas. Not your ideas. Not our ideas. Not the world's ideas. But preach the very Word of God. Do you realize this pulpit is far more than just a piece of furniture? It's far more than just a stand to lay my Bible and my notes. Do you realize that this pulpit in this church... Actually, it's a symbol and also a reminder as it stands in the central place. You know, if you go to maybe some Catholic church or Episcopal, they slide the pulpit to the side. And they have an altar at the center of the church because they emphasize the mass of everything else. But we don't have that. We have the pulpit in the center of the church. Why? Because it's a reminder of the centrality of Scripture. 
It's a reminder that this is important. It's a reminder that we submit ourselves to the authority of God's Word. And when you see this pulpit, it doesn't matter who's standing behind it as far as if I'm preaching or somebody else is preaching. It's all about the Word of God. By the way, whoever stands here should only be preaching the Word of God. But this is a reminder, week in and week out, we come in and the very central piece on this platform is the pulpit. Why? Because of the centrality of Scripture. We submit ourselves to to the authority of Scripture. Now, if we're going to have all this preaching, and we're going to endure all this preaching for all these years, we need to know how to listen to preaching, right? It's a very practical thing. How do I listen to a sermon? How do I go about it? Now, I want to tell you, I'm, begin- I'm preaching today to Christians. If you're not born again, today's the day. Today's the day to turn from your sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would invite you to do that. But today's message is for those who are believers. How to listen to a sermon. Do you have Nehemiah 8 now? I'm going to catch my breath and we're going to read. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 8. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him in his right hand stood Mattahiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and in his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, Malachijah, Hashem, Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jozebad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. Verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book, and the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. Verse 13, Now on the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. 
They should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, branches of oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one of the roof of his house, in their courtyards, of the courts of his house of God, and in the open square of the water gate, and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was very great gladness. Also, day by day, from the first day until the last day, they read from the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. Let's pause and pray. Father, help us now as we talk about listening to a sermon to truly do that today. To be open to your spirits working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. How to listen to a sermon. I want to give you four keys, four things that you need to do as a listener to really listen to a sermon. Number one, and they're all going to come from this passage. Number one, require the word of God. Require the word of God. I want you to see it in the passage and we'll talk about it. Look at verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. So the people are gathered here on the first day of the seventh month. And they say to Ezra, bring the book. Bring the law of God. Bring the law of Moses. Bring out the Bible. The, what, the Bible they had at that time. Bring it to us. I want you to notice they requested specifically the law of God. The word of God. They were not asking for Ezra's opinions. They were not asking for the latest talk of the town. They were not asking to be entertained or have their ears tickled. They wanted to hear from God Almighty. And they said to God's man, bring the book. And beloved, when you go to church... You should expect to hear the Word of God. You should require the Word of God. Now, I know we don't always have control over who we listen to because you might be on vacation and you might go to church somewhere. You might have a friend that invites you to go to church with them. Uh, You might uh, be attending a revival somewhere and you're stuck there and you realize when that man gets up that he's anything but a preacher. And he's not preaching the Word of God. If he's preaching something else, whatever. It's sad that is the case sometimes. But listen, when it comes to your regular attendance of worship, you as a listener should require the Word of God. And if God's Word is not being proclaimed from the pulpit, then go somewhere where it is. Because we need the Word of God. If we're using everything or anything but the Word, where is our authority? See, the authority is found here in Scripture. This is God's Word. We're not here today to hear from the newspaper. We're not here today to hear from the Reader's Digest. We're not here today to hear from even the religious publication. We're here today to hear from God. We want to hear God's Word. And we're going to require God's Word. And in church, and in a sermon, the Bible is to be the central text of that sermon. We ought to require the Word. And allow me to say something else in regards to this. We should make sure that the the preacher is faithful to the Word. You know why? Some guys use the Scripture like a diving board. You know what a diving board is, right? Some of you don't get on anymore. You're scared of them probably. But uh, because we hurt ourselves, we do it now. 
But you go on that diving board and you spring and then you dive in. Some people treat God's Word like that. You know what they do? They'll stand up and they'll read a verse of Scripture. Here's the Word of God. They read a verse of Scripture and then they might as well close their Bible and lay it down because they're never going to return to it again. They just use it as a diving board to dive in about what they want to talk about, what they want to say. Just a way to get things going, a way to get things flowing, a way to make us feel good. Well, he used the Word of God. Yeah, he used it as a diving board to get on his own topic and his own subject. You see, when it comes to preaching, an expository preacher does not ask this question. This is not the main question, what can I say? Sunday's coming, what can I say? A lot of guys do that. Uh, What can I say? Sunday's coming. That's not the question. The main question is this, beloved. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? What does God say? You see, my job here today is not to just tell you what I want to tell you. My job is to tell you what God has told us. We'll talk about content a little bit more in a few minutes. But require the Word. Make sure that the Word of God is being proclaimed and make sure the preacher is faithful to the Word of God. Be like the Bereans in the Bible. The Bereans went home and searched it out, made sure what they were being told was indeed God's Word. Require the Word. That's key number one. Now number two, you ready? Are you listening? Respect the Word of God. I want to show it to you in the passage again. Respect the Word of God. Look at verses 5 and 6 there. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now I want you to get in your mind's eye what's going on there that day. Ezra comes before the people and he opens the book. Now he didn't have a leather bound Bible like we have. He would have had a scroll. And he took the scroll and he began to open the scroll. And when he did so, what happened? What did the people do? They stood up. They showed reverence. They showed respect for the word of God. I've been to places, you probably have as well, that they stand up when they read God's Word. You might be wondering, well, preacher, why don't we stand up when we read God's Word here? We do. Sometimes we do. When we have responsive reading, as we read as a congregation, we stand up. And we do that out of reverence and respect. You say, why don't we do it all the time? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons why. First of all, I don't always put the Scripture at the very beginning of a message. I may give you something and then we dive right into the Bible. We may set the stage a little bit, then we get into the Scripture. Sometimes I read the whole passage, sometimes I read portions of it. And it's a bit inconsistent, I think, to stand up part of it, not of it. You know, it'd be kind of weird. To, okay, let's stand, sit, stand, sit, stand, sit, you know. That's just a matter of that. But ultimately, if you follow the model here, it's actually more than just standing up once and then sitting back down. I want you to notice in verse 5, it says they stood up, right? Look at the end of verse 7 talks about all these guys helping them. It says, and the people stood in their place. In other words, what we understand from reading it is, they stood up the whole time. So here's the picture of what happened if we did it here that way. When you stood to sing the doxology, praise God, you would stay standing with me the entire time until the benediction. And I know you all, y'all are lazy, you don't want to do that. I have to, but you don't want to, right? Some of you want recliners and lazy boys in here, right? But in all seriousness, they stood up hour after hour after hour listening to God's Word. Because it says he read from morning to midday. Some scholars think that would have been around three to four hours. But many of them think that would be six hours where they stood in their place 
And they heard the word of God proclaimed hour after hour. Now listen, we don't have to stand. We can, but we don't have to stand to show respect to God's word. We should always respect God's word. Why? Because it's God's word. Uh, We shouldn't take it lightly. We shouldn't take it flippantly. We shouldn't take it casually. We should respect the Bible. Why? Because of whose book it is. Uh, John White said, respect for the Scriptures is valueless unless it springs from awe of the God of the Scripture. You see, you can stand and not be in awe. That's true. You want to know how it's true? Watch one of those uh, football games on TV when they're doing the National Anthem. And watch some of those players there. They're standing there. They're not reverencing and respecting that thing. They're smacking chewing gum, looking around, you know. i got to stand here. But then there are others who are standing there and they're showing uh, respect for their country. And you can tell. You see, it's a matter of the heart. It doesn't matter if you're standing. Some can't stand. But you know what it is to respect something or respect someone. We should always respect the Word of God. Whether we're standing to read it, sitting to read it, whether we have to lay down in a hospital bed to read it, it is God's Word. And we stand in awe of God's Word. And we sit in awe of God's Word. And we're dumbfounded by God's glory. It's an attitude of the heart. And when God's Word is read, whether it's a full passage like we read today, or a small portion, we should respect it as God's Word. How do you listen to a sermon? Number one, require the Word of God. It's got to be God's Word. Number two, respect the Word of God. Because of whose Word it is. It's God's Word. Now, number three. Are you listening? Are you listening? Receive the Word of God. Now, when you come to a worship service, you should come with a receptive heart. You should come with an expectant heart. You should come looking for God to speak to you today. Now, don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. But was that your thought when you came to church today? Was your thought this? I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to worship God. Now, I want to practice what I'm preaching here. Look at the text. You see it in verse 2. It says, So as for the priests brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. By the way, let me just say on commentary, and we'll get in verse 3 where it really shows it. Uh, this included the men and women and all who could hear with understanding. I don't know who was keeping the nursery that day, but there must have been a nursery that day because it says that it was all the men, women, and all who could hear with understanding. So somebody was taking care of those who couldn't hear and understand. Look at verse 3. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, three, four, five, six hours before the men and women of those who could understand. Now notice the next part. Here's the key. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Their ears were attentive. That's the attitude. That's the action we should characterize by every time we hear a sermon. Every time we hear the Word of God. Now I'm going to be honest with you. We don't know exactly how things went down that day. We do know from the passage that Ezra was on a platform. I think the King James calls it a, talks about a pulpit there. But the idea is he was on a raised platform. Preparation had been made. He's there where the people can see him. Better see him, better hear him. There were 13 men on the platform with him. We don't know exactly what all the role they played. Maybe they took turns reading. Maybe Ezra read a while. Maybe they read. But there were 13 men on the platform with him. We think Ezra prayed in verse 6 as it says that he blessed the Lord. And the people said, Amen, Amen, with uplifted hands. And then it says they fell to the ground in worship. That is, they went to the ground in worship in awe of a holy God. And then verse 7 tells us there were some other men there 
who helped the people to understand the law while the people stood in their places. And so they were involved in communicating the truth. Now perhaps these men, they were out in the crowd. And they were helping them understand. Yet remember, we're talking about a crowd probably somewhere between thirty to 50,000 people if you look at what it says in Nehemiah 7, 66 through 67. And consider all the men, women, and those who can understand. Probably somewhere between thirty and 50,000 people there that day. Some said that perhaps the Word of God was read and, and spoken from the platform... And then maybe at certain times they even would form groups and small groups. And those men among the people, 30 to 50,000 people, they would would form a small group. Maybe an early small group or early Sunday school class. And maybe they would sit and discuss, do you understand what that meant? Do you understand what God is saying? So maybe they would read for a while and then break out and they would talk about it. Remember, there's no amplification like we have. They don't have wireless microphones and, and, and PowerPoint and all those things. But they're there, a huge number of people. And although we don't know all exactly how it worked, as far as all the little details, we know the main point. If you want to know what preaching should be, if you want to know what preaching should look like, if you want a great description of preaching, you find it in verse number 8. And here's the main point. So they read distinctly from the book, in the law of God, probably the first five books of Moses, and they gave the sense... And help the people to understand the reading. Let's just clarify it if we can. They read the word. They told them what it meant. They helped them to understand it. Beloved, that is preaching. Read the word. Tell what it means. Help the people to understand it. That's my job. That's the preacher's job. You see, the text drives the sermon. The word of God drives the sermon. It's not the idea of what I want to talk about on Sunday. Well, man, they may be mad. I'm going to go find a verse. Let's see if I find a verse. All right. Thou shalt not touch God's anointing. And you, you jump. That's not the way you preach God's Word. The Word drives the sermon. And so you come to a text. We often do series. We do passages. We do books. You come to the Bible. You read it as we do here. I give you the sense. Here's what it means. And here's how to help understand it. That's the preacher's job. What is preaching? It's reading God's Word, explaining it, and telling it, helping you to understand it. By the way, do you want to know what a preacher should look like? Ezra is a good example. I want you to hear the description of Ezra, the man who was preaching that day, in Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Here's what it says about Ezra. Ezra 7, 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. It says about Ezra, he sought the law, that is, he sought, he studied it, he wanted to know it himself. Then it says he sought and prepared his heart to do it, that is, he obeyed it, and then he sought to teach it. That's what a preacher should do. He should study the word, obey the word, and communicate the word. That's the picture of a preacher. The authority, the message comes from the word of God. In his book, God Tells the Man Who Cares, A.W. Tozer tells a story about a young man who was called to a a very small church in a rather small town after his graduation. I will call the town in this book he could, we'll call it Centerville. And one week a cyclone hit, uh, hit Centerville, and the young man decided to preach the following message on that Sunday. Here, here, here's what his message was, why God sent the cyclone to Centerville. That was his message. And you know what? The place was packed. And they were packed and excited. Why God sent the cyclone to Centerville. The next week, he made a trip back to seminary to talk to his professor friend. And the old man said to the preacher, he said, now if you preach the word, 
you'll always have a text. But if you wait for cyclones, you'll not have enough to go around. And he's right. You see, the the Bible is our text. I I don't have to worry about, well, am I going to run out of stuff to preach? There's 66 books of the Bible. And I'm to proclaim the whole counsel of God. But you know what? The preacher is like a pitcher. I've got a job to do. You're the catcher. You've got a job to do. These people were really willing and waiting, standing for hours. Why? We're, we're so blessed we take for granted God's Word. Do you realize there are people today who do not have a Bible in their own language? You probably have 10 or 12 of them. But there are people who do not have a Bible in their own language. In this day, they didn't have a Bible. Everybody didn't have a Bible. They had these scrolls and they were attentive and ready, willing to hear God's Word. How to listen to a sermon. Require the Word. Respect the Word. Receive the Word. Now, number four. Don't miss this one. Are you listening? Respond to the Word of God. It's not enough just to sit and hear it. It's not enough just to listen to it. You've got to respond to it. It's active. It's not passive. Some people come in, they sit soaking sour. That's not the idea. Some people come in, they they catch up on their napping. I'm, I'm glad for you, I guess. But listen, we're here to respond to the Word of God. And in this passage, as we read it together, notice the people responded emotionally. They responded intellectually. They responded volitionally. They responded with their mind, their heart, their will. Someone said they worshipped, they wept, and they went. And you'll notice, we won't read it again for the sake of time, but they begin to weep. Probably a conviction of sin. And, and, and the leaders say, stop weeping. And we might be wondering, why did they tell them to stop weeping? I mean, isn't that a good thing? People need to weep sometimes. They ought to weep in church. There's a time for weeping. There's also a time for rejoicing. And the problem with this is this was not a day of weeping. Why? Because it was the first day of the seventh month. Kind of equals our September, October. And this day was the day for the Feast of Trumpets. A day of celebration, not weeping. See, there's a time to weep and a time to rejoice. This was a day of rejoicing. And verse 12 says, And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and to rejoice greatly, because they understood, watch, they understood the words that were declared to them. There's no greater compliment that can be paid to a preacher than to be able to say to that preacher, I understood you today. I think some people, honestly, their, their goal is to make you think, Whoa, he's smart. No, listen. The, the purpose here is to communicate truth, to read the Word of God, to give the sense and help you understand it. And they heard, they understood, and they obeyed the Word of God. Some of you want to take as your life verse, verse 10. Then he said, then go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Say, Amen, praise the Lord, I want to eat the fat and drink the sweet. It was a day to do that. On that seventh month, the first day was the, the Feast of Trumpets. And then on the... Um, Tenth day, it was the Day of Atonement. And then later, days 15 through 21, if my memory serves me correct, it was the Festival of Tabernacles or Booths. And we read about that. Uh, where they would go out and live in these temporary dwellings to remind them of God's faithfulness and bring them out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And they heard about that. On that second day, the leaders went and had another Bible study. And they knew about this and they began to act upon God's Word. The point is they responded to God's Word. Listening to a sermon is not passive. There's something God wants you to do in response to the message. Sometimes the response might be worship. You just see your great God in a fresh way and you lift your heart in worship. Sometimes it may be a fresh, a fresh portion of thankfulness in your life. Sometimes it might be rejoicing. Sometimes there might be an action that you need to take. You need to forgive somebody. 
Uh, you need to share the gospel. Uh, you need to give. You need to go and tell somebody about the gospel. There's an actual point that you need to take. Uh, sometimes it might be a concrete step. Uh, that is, a message is proclaimed and you need to be saved. And God wants you to respond by trusting Him. Uh, maybe you hear the message, you need to be baptized. Uh, you need to join the church. You need to begin tithing. You need to begin serving. There's a concrete step that needs to be taken. The, the point is this, you're submitting yourself to God's Word. You're ready to act on it. And you're waiting for God to speak to your heart. And you're going to respond. How do we listen to a sermon? We require the Word. We respect the Word. We receive the Word. We respond to the Word. But here's the honest truth. We hear so many sermons. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, if you were brought up in church, think about how many sermons you've heard. Maybe somebody wants to ask the question, do they really make a difference? You don't remember every sermon I've ever preached. I'll be honest, I don't remember every sermon I've ever preached. Danielle takes notes. She has notebooks and she was done with the notebook getting ready to uh, get rid of it. And she pulled it out through the night to show me the notes. And she was reading, and I don't even remember. I preached that? Yeah. So here's the point. Does it make a difference? So lest we get discouraged, let me encourage you and me today. The British Weekly once published this letter. Dear Sir, it seems ministers feel their sermons are very important and spend a great deal of time preparing them. I've been attending church quite regularly for 30 years and I've probably heard 3,000 of them. To my consternation, I discovered that I cannot remember a single sermon. I wonder if ministers' time might be spent more profitably on something else. Well, for weeks, a storm of editorial responses were sent to the newspaper. You can imagine the response to that. But there came a day where this letter arrived and it finally ended the debate. Dear sir, I've been married for 30 years. During that time, I've eaten 32,850 meals, mostly my wife's cooking. Suddenly, I discovered I cannot remember the menu of a single meal and yet I have the distinct impression that without them, I would have starved to death long ago, period. Beloved, that settles it. You know, it's amazing. We can't remember all the message, but God begins to take this and He begins to mold us and shape us. And week in and week out, week after week after week, as we are washed over by the Word of God. That's why it's important to hear God's Word. You require the Word. You don't need man's Word. You need God's Word as it washes over you. I want to say to you that, beloved, keep listening. Keep listening. But while you're listening, listen. Require the Word. Make sure it's God's Word. Respect the Word. It's God's Word. Receive the Word. Come with a receptive heart. Expectant heart. But then be ready to respond to the Word as God speaks to you. Beloved, that's how we should listen to a sermon. Father, I want to thank You for the privilege of preaching today. Thank You for calling me to preach. Giving me this opportunity. Lord, I want to be faithful to You in this position. I want to be faithful with Your Word. Lord, as we've considered this most timely subject today, I pray that You would touch hearts and lives. We've been practicing what we've been preaching. And now it's time to respond. Lord, I pray Your Holy Spirit to work in the hearts and lives of these men and women to do whatever it is that You're leading them to do. Help us to be a church that values Bible expository preaching. Lord, to always require whoever stands in this pulpit to not only preach the Word and read the Word, but be faithful as they expound the Word. 
And may we as your people respond as your spirit works. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word in our language. Thank you for these great blessings we often take for granted. We love you and praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open this morning. We talked about responding to the word. I don't know what God is saying to you today. Maybe you're here today and you need to be saved. You need to become Father, the Lord of Believers Baptist. You need to join the church. You need to begin tithing. You need to begin giving. Maybe there's something you need to get right. Sin in your life. The altar is open as we sing this closing song. I would invite you to respond to the word of God and respond to the Spirit's leading. 338, how firm a foundation. You saints of the Lord, as we stand and sing this, I would invite you to come. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'd be glad to do that. Just let me know that. I'll be down here at the front as we sing. 338, let's stand and sing, how firm a foundation. Mm-hmm.